0: Live Creative Now, episode 119. Welcome to Live Creative Now with Melissa Dinwiddie, a weekly podcast to inspire you to create your art and share your work. Because that's how you will change the world. Hello, I am Melissa Dinwiddie, Passion Pluralite Artist, Happiness Catalyst, and Creativity Instigator, and author of The Creative Sandbox Way, which you can find at an Amazon near you, here to address all your questions about living a full-color creative life. Whether you think of yourself as not artistic, not creative, which is a lie, or you think of yourself as an artist of any kind, writer, painter, musician, whatever, or anything in between, not artistic, or artist, or anything in between, no matter how you define yourself, feeding your creative hungers makes you feel more alive. It's how you change your life, and it's how you change the world, because that is how it works. You change your own life, and the world changes. Now, before I get started with today's episode, I want to talk about the importance of tiny and daily. That, after all, is Creative Sandbox Way guidepost number four. Think tiny and daily. For most creative pursuits, you don't actually need great big chunks of time. You can do your creative thing in nooks and crannies, the nooks and crannies of your day. (laughs) But that said, it is still so wonderful when we do get to create in big chunks. So I make it a priority to set aside a few really big chunks of time every year to fully Immerse myself in my creative pursuits, distraction free. And one of those big chunks of time is coming up. It's my Create and Incubate retreat. It's five days and four nights. And it is happening September 13th through 17th. We all know how hard it is to stay focused. On your creative thing when you also have to deal with laundry and cooking and emails and phone calls and errands and driving the kids to soccer and paying the bills and, 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 and. And that is why it is so valuable to go on a creative retreat. Yes, Tiny and Daily is essential and valuable and wonderful and highly recommended. And Going on retreats is also valuable and wonderful and highly recommended. And at Create and Incubate Retreat, you will have five days of uninterrupted create time to work on any project you want. Paint, draw, collage, work on your novel or memoir. Plan out your business strategy for the next quarter if you want. Write that ebook that you've been thinking about or design that course that you've been wanting to teach. Whatever you want to do, except maybe paint with solvents because you're going to be in a room with other people. And one of them is me. I happen to be sensitive to solvents. So there are a few things you can't do. Super noisy things also, but anyway, there are no phones to answer. There's no laundry. There's no cooking because delicious meals are prepared for you three times a day. And let me tell you, there is something really magical when you get together in a room with a group of other creators and everyone is immersed in their own creating, their own creativity. It's this special buzz of energy that It's like it cranks everyone's creative power up to turbo. It's so energizing. These kinds of deep dives fuel my well for months. And that is why I have made going to retreats like this a priority in my life. So if you would like to recharge your commitment to your creative spirit... And fill your tank with a reserve of energy and creative fuel to propel you through the year. And you'd like to do it in a cozy, beautiful setting with support and guidance and just the right amount of structure from someone you trust, namely yours truly, I would love for you to join me. There are just a couple of spots left. The retreat is it's full, it's essentially full. And I mean, it's like, it's perfectly fine to run as it is. It's a small intimate retreat, but I could take a couple of more people. And you can sign up, you can register at create and incubate com. That's create and incubate com. So if this is calling to you, I would love to have you there. And now on with today's episode. It's another listener spotlight today. Anna Goldsworthy applied for a listener spotlight by writing an iTunes review. That's how you apply to be in a listener spotlight. And here's what she wrote. Anna wrote, Listening to Melissa's podcast caused me to completely reevaluate my definition of personal creativity and artistic expression. I was so tightly connecting commerce to my creative expression that I have been yearning for a commission so I could do art. OMG! She challenges me to stretch my imagination to new heights. No longer do I believe the myth that says I can only create when there is an end purpose. Lessons learned here are simultaneously tiny and life-changingly huge. Thank you, Anna. I love this review, and I love that Anna has gotten something very specific from the podcast, and was able to articulate that. So I mean, of course, I had to invite her to have a conversation with me on the podcast. So that's what today's episode is about. A little bit about Anna, she left the corporate world behind in 2007, to explore artistic creation. And now paint, brushes, beads, paper and other (laughs) Delightful found objects inspire her innovative designs and provide focus for her camera lens. And she delightfully ignites color and laughter and joy. She has two grown sons, and she is currently relearning life through the eyes of her two amazing granddaughters. She lives in Kent, Washington, with her favorite first husband, and she writes in her bio that her essential advice comes from none other than Dr. Seuss, who said, be who you are and say what you feel, because those who mind don't matter, and those who matter don't mind. So here is my listener spotlight with Anna Goldsworthy. Creative now. Live creative now. Well, first of all, tell me a little bit about who you are. I know you call yourself the possibility detective. Yeah. <laughs> tell me about that.
1: Well, that started out when I was doing life coaching and I was, you know setting up a business and looking for something a little different that would describe me and what I bring to the table. And I'm kind of known for looking outside the box and finding out what's possible or helping people discover things they might not have, you know, realized were right there. And so that became my coaching business possibility detective and then when I decided you know I'm kind of done with that I decided that it was still a really good description of me and what I'm looking for including in my artwork and I'm looking for excuse me what's possible what's what someone else may not have discovered or or considered doing. So I'm always looking for what's possible.
0: And I love that. That's me. That's so cool. That's really cool that that's something that you used as your business name for one area, one purpose, and that realized that that actually describes you in a much broader scope.
1: Mm -hmm. Definitely.
0: I think that's so true for, for, you know, for all of us, for at least for most of us in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah. When you settle on something that feels really connected to something inside, that it will cover many different um, situations.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I know you and I had a a conversation, I don't know when it was, a couple weeks ago or something, which is why we're talking now, Mm -hmm. uh, because there was a particular episode of the podcast that really struck you and really caused a shift for you. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah. 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 It was episode 109. <laughs> oh, you even know the number.
0: <laughs> I, know that. Yeah. I believe that's
1: the right number. It uh, was the, probably the first one that I, that I had listened to. And it was about your equation uh, or how to take um, commerce out of the art equation. And it was a big aha for me. I, I hadn't even realized until then that I was kind of looking to commissions and things like that to be a reason to create art. And I haven't recently had any mural commissions and I'm thinking, well, gee, I wish I had something so I could, I could do art. And so that was a big, like, really? (laughs) (laughs) Plus the fact that the description that you had of your situation about not taking art direction and being somewhat, you know, not disappointed, but realizing why you don't when, when you did um, was also an aha. I don't like taking art direction when I paint or when I do things. And yet when you take commissions, it's all about that and pleasing the other person. So that was also kind of a kind of an aha that, yeah, that feels icky when I have someone tell me they want to change what I'm creating and I will do it, usually. But why? It's not, I don't have to do that. I can create, and now it's also causing me to really question everything I thought I knew about what I want to create, or or what feels good. And and so yeah, I'm doing things that maybe I didn't even consider um, as part of my art
0: that are. Oh Wow. Um, Tell me about
1: that. Well, um, I I did write a book with a good friend of mine. It's called Feel Good No Matter What. And it's all about no matter what's going on in your life, you can choose, I can choose to feel good. Um, And now I'm looking at, well, what is that feel good meter? If I'm working, even tiny and daily, if I not only beat myself up because I didn't, but I didn't because I wasn't drawn to it, then, mm. okay, what am I drawn to? What will excite me? I know that that the community is working on this possible book project, and the part of me that always, you know, the good girl that says, well, I can do this, I know how I can help, was, okay, where can I put myself into this? And then realizing... I mean, I heard how excited you are and some of the other people It's like, it's not pushing my buttons. So let's back off and allow my buttons to be pushed by what is going to push them.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. So the, for people who are listening, what Anna is referring to is, and is it Anna or Anna?
1: It's Anna. Yeah. Okay.
0: I want to make sure that I'm pronouncing it right. I know a lot of Anna's and Mm -hmm. I know a lot of Anna's. (laughs) Um, So the, my paid community, the creative sandbox community for women last year, we did a collaborative coloring book and there were, I can't remember the, the number of people who contributed, but they were, I can't remember but around 20 I think mm-hmm. people yeah. who each contributed anywhere from 1 to 3 or maybe 4 uh illustrations uh you know coloring pages to the coloring book and then there were three of us on the design team two people who did the bulk of the work and who laid out the book and we produced a, a coloring book which you can find on Amazon it's called Color Yourself Creative, and we, it's still there, <laughs> and, we like made, <laughs> and we made the decision to publish it at cost, so it only costs like, oh, and Anna's holding it up. This, of course, is an audio podcast, okay. so nobody will be able to see it, but, right. um, but okay. we can see each other as we're All recording right. this, um, and so it's only like $3.26 or something on Amazon, because there's no profit involved. So, and it's, it's, it's real, it was a really cool project, particularly because a lot of the people involved didn't, and maybe still don't consider themselves visual artists. So it was a big deal to mm-hmm. create a piece of visual art that's going to be out there in the world in perpetuity. Right? right. So it was an opportunity for people to, deal with their gremlins and, you know, all the stuff that we deal with in the creative sandbox. It was this phenomenal opportunity for people to deal with it. And it really brought the community together. It was a big project. And it was also for me personally, it was a great project because kind of right on the heels of that is when I started working on the creative sandbox way and producing my own book. So it was like, Oh, here's this book. I produced a, I produced this coloring book. It walked me through all the sort of the logistics of producing a book through CreateSpace, putting it out on Amazon. So it it was a really cool stepping stone. Mm -hmm. So a couple of months ago or something, I posted in the Facebook group for our community, hey, guys, what would make you want to tell everybody you know about the Creative Sandbox community? And somebody said, you know, I really loved making that coloring book. I'd love to do another collaborative project. Well, that put a little light bulb over my head. Well, let's do another collaborative project. What would that look like? So we've been talking about that. So that's what Anna has been talking about for those of you who are wondering. So I love that you, Anna, had the presence of mind to realize like, "Mm, this is not pushing my buttons. Let's step back. Instead of jumping into the fray and taking on a job that might suck me dry, Mm -hmm. let's just step back and wait until my buttons get pushed and my toes get all tingly, right? I love that.
1: Right. And I appreciate in the rally calls hearing you speaking about how excited you were because that also helped me see that contrast. Yeah, she's feeling like that. Oh, no, I'm not and and i also believe that by me stepping back cuz i've done this i kind of know how that it opens the door for then somebody else who maybe has not to stretch a little bit and learn some things that are pushing their buttons
0: or that you know excite them right so i think you know well, it's a And it's also been important for me as somebody who has a tendency to go, Oh, I'm really excited about this. And then dive in the deep end and then go, wait, I don't know how to swim yet, (laughs) which can be good. Right. Can then like, okay, I can learn to swim and then maybe swallow a little more water than I really wanted. (laughs) I've done that a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. But maybe, I, I don't know the metaphor. I'm kind of losing the metaphor as I go here, but Uh, you know, it can be a little bit exhausting to do that. Right. 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 And I can lose some things that maybe, maybe it would be better off if I think about things a little more before I dive in the deep end. Right. Right. I have some other big things that I'm working on right now. Mm -hmm. And rather than diving in the deep end in a big, like, Oh man, I'd love to take on this book project. But, you know, there are other things in my life that are going on that are very important. And if I dive in the deep end with a book project and these other things fall, you know, these other balls that I'm trying to juggle completely fall to the ground, I'm doing myself and my family a big disservice, Mm -hmm. right? So I need to be thoughtful and mindful about it and think about how can I make a really cool project that I'm excited about happen in a way that doesn't suck me dry Mm -hmm. and is responsible and allows these other balls to stay in the air and happen and bloom and blossom in a beautiful way Mm -hmm. and supports this lovely project that I'm excited about too. Right.
1: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. There it's, what is the balance that you're going to choose
0: to have? Right. How
1: much energy feels right to put into it and and that balance of when I say no to something it allows
0: a different yes exactly yeah and how long has it taken me to learn that that I can't say yes to everything because saying yes to everything actually means a big no to everything doesn't it (laughs) Yeah, hugely.
1: I I have for so long said yes to just about everything or yes because I can. Yeah. And and now I'm, you know, after many years realizing that I don't have to say yes. And over well, I've been retired almost ten years. And for the first probably eight years, I spent a lot of time doing a business or a different business because I could and it felt like I should that you know if I'm not bringing in money to the household that's not right. When I grew up if you weren't sick, you went to school, you went to work. That's it. And and I have to tell you that when I first retired, I was sick for almost a year. Oh man. So I had a really a really successful coaching session that brought up that belief. And when I, you know, thanked it for what it had created for me and and you know, realized or, or changed that belief, it's it's no longer true that you know, we have created an income in retirement. So it you know, we don't need more money. More money is always nice, but but there's nothing wrong with me not getting up and going to a job every day or having some kind of process that brings in money that, that, that kind of had expired that need to, to do that. And now I can be totally at choice, which is just an amazing place to be. And it is like we talked about the other day. It can be really paralyzing that a void wants something to fill it. And, so. yeah, for eight years, I've been filling this void. And now over the last probably year, year and a half, I've been letting things go. And, and now I'm learning to go just because I could put something in that space. It oh. may not light me up.
0: So. Oh my God. I so resonate with that. You know, it's so fascinating, Anna. It's made me think about, and this is, this may make you laugh. It's very embarrassing, but oh. I have, it, this is the level to which this sense of responsibility has Mm -hmm. gone in my life. So I remember when I was back, when I was a ketubah artist, when I was a, a hired pen, a hired paintbrush, and I was doing all this work on commission. And I really had this sense that without realizing, I mean, it was such a story in my head that I had this responsibility to create whenever and whatever a client wanted me to. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I mean, it was so deep inside my brain that I didn't even realize it was there. And I remember when my first husband and I, before we were married, when we were talking to different artists and one of the artists that we talked to, I remember her saying something about I don't know, something, there was something about the way she she had clearly set limits around what she was willing to do, how many Ketubot she was willing to take on. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of shocked, like, that she had set limits around it. And it took me years, years. I mean, I wasn't even an artist back then. It took me years to be able to do the same thing myself, as if that was some sort of crime, crime against humanity, for me to be able to say, no, yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to help you with your need, desire, want, whatever, to have a piece of artwork.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Crime against humanity. I mean, yeah. ridiculous, right? And this is, this is the level to which that went. Years before, no, no, I guess this was, was this before? This is probably after that, but for years, I have, I have very short hair now, as you can see yep. in the video.
1: I love it. Yeah. Anyone who's seen
0: pictures of me knows? I have very short pixie cut hair. Uh-huh. I had long, long, long hair for most of my life. As a redhead, I identify so much with my red hair. Yeah. And it took me in well into adulthood, to cut my hair well into adulthood because it almost felt like a crime against humanity for me to cut my hair. Because I got so many comments on my beautiful red hair. And I remember seeing other redheads who had short hair and thinking like, what is wrong with them? How could they possibly cut their hair like it was a crime against humanity? I mean, ridiculous, utterly insane, right? And when I finally cut my hair, it was like this amazing, I don't know, it was like this incredible shift, you know, this incredible statement that no, it is not my responsibility to make you happy so that, you know, to make you happy by looking at my long hair or something like that. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just sounds so utterly ridiculous, but that was reality for me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is. I think about a lot of the things in, in my life that way that, that are kind of outside of my peripheral vision as far as beliefs, you know, like that you you may not have really realized what was keeping you from cutting your hair that it's just, but it's, it's back there. And when you actually look at the belief like I did with my being sick and not working. It was like, I could dispel it. I could let it go. I could, Yes. but it was, I didn't realize that I held that belief because it was behind my normal right. thought process.
0: Right, right, yeah. And I want, I want to get back to the, the whole commerce thing that you were so, as you, as you wrote, you were so tightly connecting commerce to mm-hmm. your creative expression that it felt like you couldn't do your art unless there was commerce attached to it. And what I find so interesting is that so many creatives desperately want to you know, make a living from their creative thing, right? That's like the holy grail. Uh, they want to make a living from it. They want to make money from it. I sure did. You know, that felt like validation because we live in this culture where money is value, right? Mm-hmm. If you if you make the almighty dollar for your creative thing, then you have been validated. Right. And, and so once that's been connected, <laughs> right exactly, if you make more money from it then you're more validated, absolutely. It's 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 so tightly woven in our culture. Mm-hmm. So once that's been connected, as it was for me as well as it was for you, it's so hard to tease that apart, mm-hmm. you know, as you read in my episode right, or listened right. to in episode 109, something right. I'm working with as well.
1: Right. Right. And when you were talking about your, your art show yeah. and how much energy and money and things you put into allowing it to happen when you weren't, you know, you're working on your house and remodeling everything. <laughs> and so it's like, I really don't want to do this, but I said I would. And so often I find myself, well, I said I would, so I'm doing this, and um, three friends and I used to do truck shows. We created jewelry, and we we all loved doing the jewelry. We had different styles, and then we would do these these amazing trunk shows where we would bring food and wine and invite all our friends, and, you know, they get to try on the stuff. And, and we did sell a lot of jewelry, but, you know, it really didn't make any money because... <laughs> put all this stuff together and it was a lot of time and it was, it was fun. So that was something we really did enjoy. But I think in our heads, it's kind of like, well, we're going to do this. We're going to make money. And we did bring in money, but we never looked at what went out.
0: You right. Know,
1: it was, so it wasn't really a business thing. And in, in that situation, it was fun. When it stopped being fun, we stopped doing it. But I think often there's that expectation of, okay, the business must happen. Therefore, these things have to happen. You must promote yourself. You must do all this stuff. But then it's not fun. And, and I think art should be fun or, or not even art, but creative expression should be fun. Whatever yeah. that being.
0: Yeah. And I think what I'm still trying to figure out for myself mm-hmm. is where, you know, the, I don't know, where's the, the line or the balance, or <clears throat> I don't know what the right word is, I I know for me, there has to be, there has to be like this carved out space and time for creative sandbox play. That's, Mm -hmm. that's how I, you know, identify it in my, define it in my head where it is completely disconnected from commerce, Mm -hmm. where it's completely disconnected from impressing other people, where it is purely for my three-year-old, four-year-old self Mm -hmm. for exploration, for play for, you know, purely for making messes and play. Now, the reality is Mm -hmm. it's impossible to completely disconnect from those things because I am an adult, I have a history, I have baggage, (laughs) the gremlins exist, right? It's impossible to completely disconnect. But I can be mindful and I can click, I can, just like in a meditation session, I can keep coming back to that creative sandbox mindset just keep returning to it keep returning to it oh there's a gremlin send it off to get a pedicure come back to the creative sandbox mind space right oh there's another gremlin send it off to get a pedicure come back to the creative sandbox mind space right it's a dance it's just a continual yeah, dance yeah.
1: Oh, life is just
0: <laughs> right
1: yeah. yeah yeah a quote Oh, years ago when I was at a weight loss program and they were talking about I think it was Apollo 13 or one of one of those where the the astronaut was talking about, you know, we went to the moon and we came back. So we are almost never on course. It was always, mm. you know, adjust adjust adjust, but in all that process we went to the moon and we got back. And I you know, it was kind of a metaphor for life that being exactly on course is almost never happens. So it's wow. always review and adjust, review and adjust. And I think in life, even the goal for life changes. So it's not like, okay, I'm going out there. And that's always there. You know, maybe I want to do art, maybe, maybe I want to paint, maybe I want to do another book, whatever it is changes, as well as, you know, am I in course to that? Oh, no, I'm gonna be on course to something else. And managing all of that. And and feeling good or, you know, having some joy in life sometimes gets out of the equation. And I think that is such an important thing um, to have that that um, grounding in joy. You know, am I joyful? Does this make me joyful? Yes. And I know seldom is that asked in life. You know, we... we well, after 20 years or 40 years and I can retire, then I'll be happy. Well, I got to tell you, when you retire, (laughs) it doesn't change. (laughs) You don't suddenly become happy because you don't have a job or you don't have kids to watch anymore. It's just that the excuses
0: aren't there. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that question are still an issue for me. I just don't have a job to blame it on or, you know, I got to take care of my kids, although I have had a whole year taking care of my mother and getting her from her home of 60 years into assisted living and, and helping her figure out, you know, what's her new normal. Um, And so that was a good excuse. (laughs) Now That's pretty settled. And, and so now here I am again with my, my huge open playing field and
0: okay, what do I want to do? And I think, I think the question that you just brought up is, it's really the key question. You know, what's, what's my joyful? Yeah. Am I joyful? What makes me joyful? Yeah. And when we can figure that out in our day to day, normal, boring, you know, average Existences, that's the key because that is where happiness is found. It's not in, you know, the Nobel Prize and the New York Times bestseller list and whatever. Like, those are great. And those, yeah. you know, if we, we, you know, God, i sure, I'm sure, I would be thrilled if I ever wrote a book that got on the New York Times bestseller list. I'm sure that would be a wonderful yeah. thing. But that is not going to give me happiness for the rest of my days, right? Happy.
1: And Happy. all of those moments while you're writing it, if there's joy in those moments, that's the that's the thing. It may never get published, or it may never get on the New York bestseller right. list. Right, joy in any moment. I mean, to me, as we're talking, it's like, it is the creative sandbox that whether it's artist expression, you know, no matter what it is, what can I do tiny and daily that gives me joy? Talking with you right
0: now.
1: Yes. Yeah. This is a very joyful experience.
0: This is it, baby. This is (laughs) moment of joy for me. That's why, that's why I have a podcast because I love you know, I love having these conversations. I love speaking into the microphone when it's just me doing a monologue. If I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't be doing a podcast, you know? Right. And that's what
1: I've, I've been exploring, doing podcasts, doing blogging and things like that forever. But it's like, well, later, later it's like, well, what about now? So now I'm, that is one of the things that, that is kind of on my, well, maybe this will push my buttons list. And And I, my, my co-author, who, who I wrote the book with, and I are, we've scheduled, she's now in Colorado, I'm in Washington state. So we've scheduled some phone calls and we're going to start playing around with that and see, you know, some of our, our concepts from the book. What if we had conversations and, you know, I love what Melissa's doing. Can we do something on our own topic that, that, you know, would be fun whether anybody listens to it or not. I don't care, but. I love it. Yeah. And that's
0: the reason to do it, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's. I got to tell you, I I stalled on writing my first book for, mm-hmm. well, fifty <laughs> years, really. But <laughs> but I made you the decision.
1: in the cradle that you were going to write it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, five years for sure, because I made the decision five years before I actually finished the book. You know, published a book. Mm-hmm. Dang it. I know I need to write a book. Now the book that I ended up writing was really different from the book that I thought I was going to write. I thought I was going to write a memoir about, you know, my experience with eating disorders and stuff. That didn't at all turn out to be the, the first book that I wrote, whatever, that's fine. But part of the reason that I stalled so long in actually getting a book out is because Well, you know, I don't have a big enough audience to really, you know, submit a book proposal and get it to, you know, have a publisher, you know, be desirable for a publisher to pick me up. There's no way a publisher would pick me up because I don't have a big enough platform. Mm -hmm. And finally, I just went, you know what, write the book, write the book. Because if one person reads my book Mm -hmm. and gets benefit from it, then it's worth it.
1: Absolutely.
0: And I need to write this book. And it's better for me to write it and get it out there and have one person read it and get benefit from it than to leave it, you know, stuck inside of me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the experience, it's really uh, like my co authors written a couple more books and she talks a lot about her first book, who was such, it was such a, I must do that. I must do this. And it was hard and it was uncomfortable. And then when she and I wrote a book, um, we sort of, we were such opposites that the things she likes to do, I think, are just drudgery, and the things <laughs> I, like, I think, same. So it was much more of a fun <clears throat> process, and and that's what you know we want to do going forward is look where's the fun in it. I mean, the books are yeah. different, but the experience was very different, and we can have that experience in everything, no matter yeah. what's going on. We have a chapter, I think this might be in the beginning, about um, 9/11 and what was going on, particularly in my life right after, and how just changing the mindset made a huge difference for our work group. And mm-hmm. absolutely nothing in the world' scheme had changed. But we were able to turn ourselves around by looking at, you know, a different a different window of what was likely to come for us and it changed everything wow and I think, you know if you can feel good or feel some joy or or positive expectation in that situation you can do it anytime so that's kind of and, and again you know I have to remind myself of that often
0: that oh yeah I oh sure yeah. <laughs> yeah. well my gosh we teach what we need to learn right um, Yes. I mean, my 10 guideposts from my Creative Sandbox way, I use them constantly. Right.
1: (laughs) And so how wonderful that you did that, that now you have tools for yourself and
0: and a lot of the rest of us are also using them. I developed them for me. Mm -hmm. I wrote the book for me. And I have to say, I loved writing my book. That Mm -hmm. three month, well, actually the the end part of putting the book together was very tedious and the launching process was excruciating, but the writing of it, I loved yeah. it. Yeah. I would love to be in that process of writing like mm-hmm. all the time. I, I absolutely loved it.
1: Yeah, it was it
0: a total know. joy. Yeah. It, it pushed yeah. my buttons in a really, really good way. Cool. Yeah. And I'm still trying to figure out the commerce and art thing
1: yeah yeah because you are making I mean it is part of part of your life is commerce because you are oh yeah and it is related to art and artistic expression just in a different way than selling your art or
0: yeah it's really it's really interesting because I I I you know I know of artists visual artists let's let's think let's look at visual artists specifically i know of visual artists i know of artists who work on commission even right who do not take art direction uh, okay yeah and that's how they set up their business models they don't take art direction
1: right
0: they and yet they work on commission mm-hmm. and they've figured out how to make that work for them I i didn't manage to figure that out <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think you know it's something about laying out your guidelines, like you were saying before about having guidelines, or realizing that you have the the ability to set guidelines. So right. those people had gotten to that point earlier and said, "These are my guidelines." I think you can have any guidelines if you set them up out front, and then yep. your clients or customers come in and then you say, "These are my guidelines," and they say, "Great, I'm going to shop with you," or "No, that doesn't work for me. I'm going to shop someplace else," and that's perfectly fine, right, I think we want to get a place of, I must have, every person that comes in must be a client, you know, no, they, no, you don't, I mean, even if you are in business selling stuff, that's not, doesn't have to be true, and it's true, right. that, that should sell, people should self-select, you know, when you're going to a grocery store, you don't buy everything on the shelf, you go, oh, this is what I want, and someone else can take those other things, and as an artist, you know, that's also true, but for me, that's a, that's a big aha moment.
0: Just Definitely,
1: being able to say no. One of we have also have ten tips that go with our book, and I think it's number four is no is a complete sentence. <laughs> <laughs> and that's you know that's one of my big ones that that just being able to say no. I was part of a, a of a volunteer organization with other people I knew in the coaching community and. A dear friend of mine and I both volunteered to call people before meetings and tell you know make sure that they knew about the meetings. It was just a a drudgery drudgery kind of laden thing and and people would never answer and, and I just hated it. And then I found out later that my friend had quit. Oh like, my gosh! You can't quit? <laughs> I, I thought I signed up because I volunteered. I'll be doing it for the rest of my natural life. And it's like no. So I did quit. And it was the beginning of a big change in my whole life. <laughs> so
0: Yeah, learning to set limits. Wow. Yeah, huge. 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 Yeah. Well, it took uh, 57 first dates in a two and a half year period for me to learn how to set limits. <laughs> it did. You, yeah. you figured it out. Well, I'm still learning. It's a work in progress in process, but um, but yeah, that definitely helped a lot. Nothing like dating to help a girl learn how to set limits.
1: <laughs> yeah. I got, well, I got really lucky. Um, <laughs> made a good, made the the choice that, that worked the first time. But I did um, sidestep a, another opportunity that I think I would have, I tell people I'm with my my favorite first husband. I think if I'd married that one, I'd be with my favorite second husband. Cause, <laughs> I wouldn't have stayed.
0: I got lucky. That's awesome. So tell me what kind of creating you're really loving these days.
1: I am really loving. Um, I, I love technology. I like. Uh, I dabble in websites. Um, I I have done, like I said, a couple books for create space. My mother is ninety-one. And she is someone who I would classify as a writer. She, as long as I've known, you know, she'd volunteer any way that she could be involved in writing a couple years ago, she wrote an online column and I published it for her for almost well, two years worth of, she has 95 um, little vignettes. So I'm in the process of helping her publish her book, put it together, working with a friend of mine, who's an editor. And it, it is lighting me up oh, you know, to be able to, With my mom in a way that is creative, you know, we've had this whole year of a little bit of butting heads and you know, and a lot of other things, but but I'm really enjoying being in this creative place with her where my more visual type of interest can be combined with her just pure writing, and that we'll be able to create something that she will have a book in hand. She's published one other book. Before, and she's working on on many projects, but you know this one I think we can can have come together before the end of the year and and you know maybe sell a few copies and that kind of thing, but yeah, i'm I'm really enjoying that. and then the idea of doing a podcast, um, doing this really kind of lights me up. I also love conversations and sharing ideas and stretching i I like also. I haven't done it a lot recently, but talking to people who have different um, beliefs than I do, Mm. if if they're open to sharing the beliefs, not with the idea of either of us changing the other's mind, but I want to understand how people get to believing these things or, you know, things that I don't. And I believe that, that people are innately good. And so just because an idea is different, um, I still respect people, especially you know, on Facebook. There's a lot of people who believe very differently than I do who are on Facebook. And the reality is I knew these people before I knew their beliefs and I love them, I respect them. I I don't I don't want to let that belief get between us. So understanding how people get to their beliefs and you know and still loving them. So being able, I don't know do something with that kind of a conversation, I think the world needs that right now.
0: Mm, yeah, for sure. Like it up too. very cool.
1: And I do have paints and different things that that I will drag out and do some things with. I just don't know what yet. <laughs> Paint and paper and enjoy. I have a whole room full of beads and stones and findings, and ooh. Yeah. And now, I I don't know if I mentioned today, but we just recently replaced the carpet in pretty much our whole house. So that process was an awesome purging opportunity because basically you move out and move back into your own house. So I got to be really intentional about basically if I was really moving, would I move this? So now the spaces where I had a lot of that stuff stored is much clearer. I can find... Mm. Tools, find the stuff, so now I'm ready to start actually playing with some of the things that were I didn't even know I had.
0: Oh, nice! Yeah. I love it. That's kind of what I'm after. Very cool. And where can people find you online? Um, they
1: can find me at possibilitydetective.com or feelgood52.com is our book. So, and they both relate to each other, so whatever's easier
0: fantastic. Well, this has been such fun to get a chance to dive deep with you and chat for a while. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for, for asking. It's time for something cool. Today's something cool is improviser Phil Lunn. So Last Friday, I was performing improv with my improv group, All That Jazz. We were part of the West Coast Musical Improv Festival, which is linked to in the show notes at livecreativenow.com slash 119, because this is episode 119. And we were the first half of this particular part of the show and the second half was Phil Lunn is and Phil Lunn is an improviser who lives in London in the UK and he came over for the improv festival and what he does is he uh, embodies some performer (laughs) and the night that we performed he was uh, a female cabaret singer I think the name of the cabaret singer was Marianne McDonough or McDonald or something. I can't remember. And he comes on stage with a, with a keyboard and a microphone. And he transforms himself into this completely convincing character. And he shares fully improvised songs from that character's songbook and fully improvised stories from that character's life, complete with the help of audience suggestions. So, you know, does anybody happen to know where I was born? Any of my fans out there in the audience, do you know where where I was born? And somebody yells out, Switzerland. And he says, that's right. I was born in Switzerland. And then he just, like, shares stories of this character's life. And he just, he's amazing. And he's amazing. Piano player, and and then he'll he'll say, Oh yes, my, my famous song about whatever. And he makes up these songs about it he, the night that I saw him, it happened to be about particle physics, and he made up a song about electrons, and it, it was it was phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. So that is this week's something cool. Phil Lunn and his show, One Man Improv Show, Phil Lunn is And I have a link in the show notes to a YouTube clip, half hour clip of Phil as cabaret singer Lola Box at the Mount Olymprov Festival in 2016. So you might want to check that out to get a little taste of how good Phil is. Although, you know, video, it just is nothing like live. So if you get a chance to see Phil, do not Miss it. It's it's really quite quite amazing. So that is this week's something cool. That is this week's show. That is a wrap. I hope you enjoyed it. If you are getting value out of the show, I would really, really appreciate it and love it if you would head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. And really, if you would tell a friend, because that is how other people will find out about the show through word of mouth and through those reviews on iTunes or wherever you are listening to the show, you would totally make my day. But more important, it will help other people find the show and hopefully help them live a full color creative life as well. And if you are interested in being featured on a listener spotlight, that's how you apply. Leave a review. Email it to me. Let me know how the podcast has made a difference in your life, and maybe I will have a conversation with you for the podcast down the road. That is it. Until next time, thanks again for joining me. And of course, go get creating. Live now. Live now. Subscribe at livecreativenow.com.